When your mission is beyond missionary, step up your game with Liberator. Their collection of transformable sex furniture and sex toy mounts will put you in sexual positions you never thought were possible. Use promo code MANHOR and save 40% off the best-selling wedge ramp combo at liberator.com. Welcome to the Manhor Podcast. What's up, Polly Pockets, relationship anarchists, and monogamous mavericks? This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Okay, uh, my, my voice is slowly returning back to normal. I apologize if I do not have that allegedly silky smooth voice that some of y'all uh, enjoy complimenting me on, but I, my, I have recovered from Man Whore Con. My voice has not. Uh, we had oh so much fun. But uh, yeah, we're getting there. Hey, everyone, how you doing? Uh, if you are new to my program, this is a podcast where I typically talk to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, and why we didn't work out. However, this week's guest, not one of my former flames. No, uh, we have not touched dicks at all. Uh, this week, I have got on the director of the new documentary Monogamish, Tao Ruspoli. As I am, as I am told, is pronounced. Uh, he is on the podcast today, and it's a fantastic episode. My intern, who was in the room when we recorded it, uh, she she left there being like, "He is so awesome." She doesn't sound like that. She sounds like a way more cool hipster like uh, version, but the same sentiment. Uh, she she thought this is a great show. I think you're going to like it too. But before we get the Tao and talking about monogamish. Show dates, people. Show dates. Okay, I just got one show date. Mentor, Ohio. Oh, yeah, Midwest. I'm coming out to you. Mentor, Ohio. I'm, uh, I'm doing a show on November 8th at Toth's Place. It is a, a quaint little bar near a Goodwill, if I remember correctly. I think it's near, it's near Salvation Army. Because I, I, I went in there, I bought shorts. The last time I was there was uh, earlier this year. And I went to the Salvation Army and I had time to kill. So like I bought a pair of shorts I kind of liked. And then I told jokes in a half-empty bar. Let's make it not half-empty. Half if, you, if you live in the Mentor, Ohio area, come on out. Uh, should be a fun time. If you want more information about my upcoming comedy dates, head on over to manwhorepod.com slash comedy. And while you're over at manwhorepod.com, make sure you sign up for the mailing list, people, okay? That's how, that's how I know where the cluster of fan whores are at. And when I know where the fan whores are at, guess what? I go to the fan whores because I, you know, I got a lot of free time. Uh, another date y'all need to keep in mind is next week, October 26th, is the Fan Whore Facebook Live Hangout. Oh, do we have a good time at, on the Fan Horror Facebook Live Hangout every month? Uh, I like to hang out with you for an hour. We chit-chat about uh, the past month's episodes. We talk about my life. I ask you questions about your sex life, your opinions on stuff. And if everything goes as scheduled, we will be joined by my fall college intern, Izzy. So if you want to get to know Izzy a little bit, put it in your calendar. 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be on Facebook next Thursday. All right. 
Uh, this made me really happy. I, I found this out right before I started recording this. As I am talking into a microphone, there is an unofficial fan whore meetup going on in Memphis. So shout out to Chrissy and Joe. They are both uh, in the champagne room. Right, they are both members of my fan whore community on Patreon, and they connected in the champagne room. Realized they live kind of close to each other. And were like, let's meet. How fucking cool is that? They had like their own, you know, mini, 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 mini man whore con for like an evening. I love that. If if you yourself is all have have also tried to connect with other listeners of the podcast, wherever the fuck you are, let me know. That's super cool, and it boosts my ego. <laughs> Um, I myself have, have tried to be social recently. Uh, I forced myself out to like a, a comedian birthday party. I went out and like, I talked to people. I tried not to be an asshole. That's very difficult for me. Apparently, uh, <laughs> ran into someone uh, who I haven't seen in like 12 years. We went to high school together. I haven't seen her since. And then she just happened to randomly be at this bar. And that was nuts on my way back home. Look, nothing gets me in a mood like a good mashup. You know, give me give me an, a half-empty subway platform, a pair of headphones, and a good mashup, and I'm a happy girl. Because, like, a mashup makes me want to dance in a way no other song makes me want to dance. Like, I just want to move to this unique beat that some DJs put together, and, like, I don't give a fuck who's watching. I go all out. And so it was so much fun on Friday night, just, like, dancing for like probably 10 15 minutes on the subway platform i was uh i was listening to dj earworm who does the united states of pop mashups and <laughs> just oh so much fun just dancing so hard and sometimes i need it sometimes i just need a good dance because uh sometimes billy gets sad you get a case of the sads but dancing Oh, it really cheers me up, people. Uh, it really, it really does. It's. I, I wish I could dance more often. And uh, you know, what does that have to do with sex and dating? Absolutely nothing. But it's something I wanted to share with you. Uh, let's get to your emails. How about that? Emails. Let's get to your words. Uh, these are some emails I've gotten actually regarding Manhorcon. Uh, some of the people who attended the con this year had such a good time. They had to tell me some words. So this first one comes from a couple a super hot couple um the email's titled postcon congrats they write billy 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 man whore fucking con uh totally balls weekend there were those of us that were there and everyone else who missed out on the greatest new york city event of the year Holy shit, sir, you flatter me too much. Come on, let's settle down. Um, <laughs> I mean, Manhorcon was the same weekend as Comic-Con, so that, that's, that's hard to compete with, but thank you for the kind words. Okay, he says, it was fun and funny. It was smart and sexy. It was relaxing and intense. It was instant friends, blown minds, jetting around New York, bars, clubs, comedians, and real talk. And the flirting. Dancing, occasional smooching, a nude flash or two with next day high fives. Fuck the dog. It was man whore con. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading this email. I'm like, what does fuck the dog mean? I don't know. I'm not going to say where, what state you live in, dude. But I mean, Jesus, what, 
I don't know what they do down there, but, you know, mazel. Uh, he continues, you and, and your intern Izzy did an absolutely amazing job at organizing the weekend. Great events and perfect choice of bars. We partied all over downtown on Saturday, plus the sexy side trip to Brooklyn that got everyone charged up. The pub crawl was a blast. We rocked McSorley's and accomplished an impressive man whore podcast, my favorite show chat, while slurping down beers. I loved the bar where you got beat up by a girl several years ago. <laughs> that was a story I told. And our antics at the Stonewall bordered on out of control. Next day, chilling at Professor Tom's was more relaxing than any happy ending massage. Then you got us all a little chubby with a trip to the Museum of Sex before the live show where we got to see how the man whore magic is made. Fuckity fuck, fuck, fuck. The after party in a swanky midtown apartment was a special treat and very intimate. Better than all the activities was the amazing group of people that showed up. Sexy, fun, some couples, some singles, and all totally into man whore con. I can't wait for next year. And me and my wife love knowing that we were there for the first man whore con when it all started the big bang of all future big bangs smooches j and l what an email right like oh just seriously man whore con was so much fun if you're feeling a little bit of fomo you should be uh it was it was the balls fuck the dog it was man whore con apparently whatever the fuck that phrase means <laughs> and this couple was a blast. I mean, <laughs> his his wife flashed her pussy during one of the events. That's the type of that's the type of people we were dealing with. It was fan fucking tastic. Uh, so thank you, JNL, for those kind words. Thank you for coming out to Manhor Con. I do hope to see y'all there next year. Uh, I got another Manhor Con email. Uh, this one we're gonna call from H. H writes, "Hi, Billy." I too had a weekend experience that I will never forget. For one thing, I was super impressed with just how attractive, smart, funny, and thoughtful your fans are. Here are some of the highlights for me. New York is fucking friendly. Within a week, I was friends with the deli guy. I found myself chatting with strangers, which I never do, and smiling and saying hi to so many people on the street. People are super nice here. Not everyone, of course, but much much more so than here where I come from. Love talking with my Lyft drivers. They are so willing to open up and talk about New York, what they like, what they don't. What a nice surprise the people were. I had my first threesome, my first couple, and my first woman experience, as you know. Uh, yeah, H hooked up with a couple during the weekend. Holler. Uh, she continues, I didn't eat her pussy because, you know, that isn't my thing, but maybe I'd, I'd do it just for the why not I only live once experience next time. But I just loved watching the dynamics of their relationship. They are so in love and invested in each other. One of the reasons that she just loves him, uh, which is that he finds beauty in every woman. I really left with a lot to think about in regards to relationships after spending time with them. They talked to me later about meeting up with them somewhere else sometimes. Who knows? The next morning, I had another first, a cannoli. Holy crap, those are good. 
Uh, I loved the scavenger hunt. I loved interviewing that guy about his sexual fantasy, which was like one of the uh, scavenger hunt items. It brought something out in me that made me want to keep going and ask everyone in that park about their sexual fantasies. I also asked the guy if, if I could grab his butt and ask some other guys if they could name five porn stars. All three of them said they could not, but laughed and seemed flattered when I said, hmm, you really all looked like you, were, you would be able to. Then there was the girl my team had to ask if her boyfriend could spank one of us. Uh, they were this young and very good-looking couple, and her eyes lit up, and she said, of course my boyfriend can spank you. She videotaped it too. I'm amazed how willing strangers were to talk to us about sex and participate in those shenanigans. I'm pretty sure you would get arrested where I come from for asking people the things we did. I need to move out of this place. I loved having pizza with you. I wish we could have spent more one-on-one time just talking, but next time I'm in New York, I'm going to ask you again to let me lick your ass. Feel free to ignore me again. Eventually, I'll wear you down. But my favorite moment was when I told you I lost my phone. You turned into my personal superhero. You jumped into action, had me enter my phone number in your phone. You called the phone, then you ran outside with with amazing speed uh, so you can get instructions for me on where to go. Then you flew out into the street, hailed a cab, and shoved me in it with instructions. I was in awe. Then I had the best ride back with this Comic-Con guy who found my phone, and I talked him into going dancing with us. What a crazy cab ride. Thank you for being even more stressed about my phone than I was. You're so awesome. As a side note, I freaked out about her phone because I, I'm still not a full adult where if I lose a phone and buying a new phone would like end me, whereas in, she's like a responsible adult person who like, yeah, it would suck if she loses her phone, but she can also like afford to buy a new phone. <laughs> Um, there were lots of other little things that happened during my trip. I am still buzzing about it. Thank you so much for all the work you put into Manhorcon and making us all feel so special and included in your life adventure. I hope to do it again. Oh my God. H J L all, all everyone who attended, uh, everyone who said something nice to me about it. These are just a couple of the emails I got. Give me all the feels and you make me feel so good and, so happy and appreciated and and loved. I like I said, I uh, I the first night of Manhorcon, I was tweeting out like I feel so loved, and I meant it. It's just wow. It was one hell of a weekend. And anyone who couldn't join us, make sure you're on the mailing list. Keep listening and stay tuned because uh, I'm going to be asking for everyone's input so we can make the next Manhorcon more accessible. Um, and, and more fun and just more awesome with more people. And it's y'all are in for something good. If you come to man 2018, I'm telling you that much for sure. And if you want to send me an email with your comments or your questions, you know, or your booby pictures, whatever, uh, you can send that over to man at gmail.com. All right. Uh, I also want to play a teaser of tomorrow's bonus episode. It is another Craigslist Chronicle. This uh, is just a very, very short snippet of my story about a Craigslist bukkake with someone I can only call Katie BBW because her fake name was Katie and she advertised herself as a BBW. And and I'm there was an interesting twist at the end of the story, but like here's a little taste of what you can expect from a Patreon bonus episode. 
stage. I say, how long do you expect the festivities to last? And by festivities, I mean the bukkake <laughs> to last. Uh, when do you want to kick us out by? I'm looking forward to it. Bill. And this is where she got real on me. This is where I thought I fucked up. I saw the beginning of this email when I opened it. I was like, oh, no. Did I just talk myself out of getting invited? Oh, you hate to talk yourself out of a blowjob. But she says, darling. Line break. That's an emphasis on the darling. I'm like, oh no, darling, line break. Take a deep breath. Stop overthinking. Some things in life cannot be predicted in advance, as who knows what kind of chemistry, performance issues, or over-eager, overly enthusiastic participants may arrive. Sometimes you just need to go with the flow. That being said, we have flights today. We will be checking out late afternoon today. So again, if you want access to that bonus episode, other bonus episodes, the Champagne Room, the all-new Peep Show, head on over to patreon.com slash podcast. Throw down a buck, throw down more bucks if you want to. But now for this week's guest, Tao Ruspoli. Or if you're like a typical dumb American person, you'd be like, uh, Tao Ruspoli? Ruspoli? Ruspili. No, Tao Ruspoli. Uh, he also taught me how to say my my last name more properly in Italian. Procida. Procida. That's what it is. Procida. Uh, Taurus uh, Ruspoli is the director of a new documentary now in theaters called Monogamish. You heard right. Yeah. Those of you who are fellow Dan Savage disciples like myself know the know the word monogamish is a word that Dan Savage coined uh, to kind of describe those who are not fully non-monogamous but also like don't want to stick this you know straight monogamy the whole time I've actually watched the documentary this is not someone who's like been in a thing and I haven't consumed it I watched the screener it's really good and we talk about it plenty in our in our conversation but um he is fantastic uh he also this is fun. He's an Italian prince. Literally. He's technically a prince. You know, my family goes back a thousand years in Italy. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, at the time, until, you know, Italy was unified in the 1860s. Before that, it was a lot of uh, smaller city-states. And most of them were controlled by the, the Pope, by the Vatican, who had both spiritual and terrestrial power, right? And so he would trade titles for financial and military support so my great 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 grandfather um he was already there already counts since the 1500s we have like a castle outside of rome that we've had since 1531 castle he has a castle and it was given as a wedding present by uh, the wife's uh, uh, uncle, the Pope, uh, in 1531, when she married into this feudal family. And then they were counts of this little town where the castle is, uh, and, and where I grew up kind of going every summer. And he talks about why he did the documentary, but it, it, the origin of it starts with, like, you know, he got divorced. And his was a very public divorce, because he was married to actress Olivia Wilde. Uh, you may recognize her from many movies. I know her from House. So not only was he with this woman for like a very long time, I think they're together like 10 years or something, but then had a very public divorce. 
So we, we talk a little bit about that, a little bit about just what it is like to be a public person and to have to respect the privacy of those you date. Again, as I've said before on this show, my ex-girlfriend, she was conflicted about me having the podcast and her sex and dating life with me being on, being available to the public. Uh, so I try to talk to him about that. We talk a lot about monogamy and polyamory and um, the mainstream America. It's a really fantastic episode. Like I said, I think my intern, this might be her favorite. I hope you all enjoy this episode. And I also hope you all will go check out Monogamish when it is touring in a city near you. And uh, and for if should it not be in a city near you, make sure you keep your eyes out for it on iTunes, Netflix, wherever it ends up. It's a really good doc. But for now, let's do a really good episode with Tao Ruspoli. As we age, our bodies are changing. Certain parts need more support than they used to. Other areas are getting a little sore or faster. And that's why it's important to make sex more comfortable. And that's where Liberator comes in. Liberator has been making fuck furniture to make sex more comfortable, more pleasurable, and last longer for decades. Their best-selling wedge ramp combo gets you in the right positions just a little easier just a little bit more comfortable, which means you're ready to be in that position longer and harder. And you can get 40% off Liberator's Wedge Ramp Combo when you use promo code MANHOR at liberator.com. Or you can click the link at the top of the notes to go right to the product. Again, 40% off their best-selling Wedge Ramp Combo with promo code MANHOR or you can just browse around liberator.com and upgrade your sex life today. We had the best part of this conversation for like the last 10 minutes, but it wasn't recording. So. <laughs> well, about, we try and recreate the magic. About your, your baller family line, lineage of being Italian princes. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was saying that, uh, you know, these topics that we touch in the movie Monogamish, I, I had a really, I had a great opportunity to kind of take what would be academic and historic and kind of clinical things and make them very personal because my family goes back a thousand years in Italy. And um, so what would be kind of textbook history became like a, a real look at my, at my, my lineage, which happens to go back to the year 800 in Rome. You're, I mean, your castle is like a museum almost yeah. for your family. But yeah. And, and, and the weirdest and most interesting things in the museum are the people milling about <laughs> usually pay to go look at your garden. Sometimes, sometimes I'll come out and I go there in the summer and I'll be in my bathrobe and I like walk out and suddenly there's like a group of 20 tourists like walking around and I didn't know that there was going to be a visit. And yeah, like, we saw it in timeout Italy. We thought this would be fun to go check out, <laughs> but this is a good point to say I'm out. I'm here now with uh, Tau. Is it Ruspoli? Ruspoli. Ruspoli. Yeah. Tau Ruspoli. Did they change that when you, when you came to America, was there ever like a pronunciation change? Like, I think mine's supposed to be Projida, but they called it Presida when they got over here. Procida, like, probably. Yeah. Is it P-R-O-C-I-D-A? Yeah, just like the island. Yeah, so Procida is how Procida. it's pronounced. Yeah. And no, people mispronounce the, the name all the time, Ruspoli and stuff, but it's Ruspoli. Ruspoli. Yeah. <laughs> healthy Italian last name. And you, and you made this movie over years, uh, right? Uh, called Monogamish. 
Yeah, since uh, I started it in 2011 when I was going through a painful divorce and I had this uh, neighbor who was this 75-year-old blue-haired woman. Oh, who she's, lived so down cool. the hall, she's so cool. She's so cool in the down, movie. Down the alley from me. And she, uh, her name's Roberta Hayes, and she had a 40-year-old boyfriend and she's just sassy and funny and, and she used to get up really early at like four in the morning uh, and I couldn't sleep at night and I would like look out my window and see her light was on. So I'd call her and say, Roberta, can I come over? and have coffee and like i'd ask her relationship advice and uh and she was so funny and so quirky and just so just direct in her way of talking about things that you just never would expect out of a 75 year old woman talking about her pussy talking about like <laughs> you know just like the most uh we forget that older people are the same as younger people just have lived longer so they have the same attitudes and questions and and concerns just and they often know more they just need a little more lube that's all that's <laughs> It's just a, exactly. <laughs> so, so this turned into a little short film about her that was called The Love Project. And it's just a 10-minute short about her, uh, her attitudes about sex and relationships. And, and then people just loved it so much that uh, I thought, maybe this could be a longer project. And I was a little bit of a snob about the idea of making a film about relationships. It seemed kind of mushy for some reason to me. Like, maybe it's not the most, like... My film before was about Heidegger, the German philosopher, and mm. you know I fancied myself uh, an intellectual in the most pretentious way, and 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 so I thought, you know, relationships. But I, I learned very quickly that it's the most profound topic, whether you look at it from a historical perspective, anthropo, you know, as a, a economic perspective, a legal perspective, a psychological, psychosexual perspective. All of these things enter religion and and politics it, it all has to do with uh with how we enter into our most basic relationships and that was just a fascinating thing to to dive into and realize that there was uh room to make 10 movies possibly you yeah. know and write a phd dissertation or something yeah i mean i'll start i'll start off which i don't know if you're supposed to do as an interview but jesus like I'll, i think that if this movie i watched it today before i got here and I think if this get, you know if this ends up on a Netflix Hulu thing where you know people who don't go to movies and theaters anymore, I think this will be the thing that blows up and helps ethical non-monogamy and polyamory really just jump into that mainstream. I think you're going to start seeing all the think pieces pop up again and people trying it, talking about it, uh, or at least accepting it in their friends or family members, like as just like look, that's just the way you live your life because it was so accessible to like a normal person. Cause you well, have- I didn't know it existed when right. I got into it. Like I came out of a 10 year, almost like traditional monogamous, monogamous relationship. Yeah. And all I went out to find out is why, like what is, why does monogamy exist as an ideal? Why does marriage exist as an institution? We dive into these things out of almost like out of just, pure intuition and and passion uh not knowing like as a lawyer that i interviewed early on said marriage is the most important contract you're going to sign in your life and most people read it over less carefully than they read over their cell phone contracts diana adams correct she's been on the podcast fantastic yeah Yeah, yeah, she's amazing and so so i didn't know i mean i i knew that people had open relationships and but i didn't know there was a whole kind of movement that was very you know conscious politically and like layered and really nuanced and interesting ways of uh, of polyamory and i didn't so i didn't go into it you know trying to advocate or you know find like some solution i just was curious and i just started talking to people and this emerged when when did that emerge so i didn't realize that i thought you 
wrote into like Dan Savage and was thinking about this the concept of non-monogamy and then was uh, I didn't realize you were going after like marriage and monogamy and this came up how when did the whole non-monogamy stuff actually come up in the process of making this movie well um I mean I'd read Dan Savage since college so I mean I was you know always kind of open-minded and aware that there are other ways of of looking at things but not the, the whole concept of polyamory as like Diana Adams and Christopher Ryan and all these people uh, in the in the film uh, elucidate on is it's a much more deliberate and kind of uh, political movement almost and that's what I didn't realize and that's what's changed you said this is you know it's on the forefront I felt that during the five years of making the movie like mm. when I first became curious about meeting like you know people living outside the confines of normal relationships the only people I could find were like pierced and tattooed uh, people at BDSM clubs in like Bam. Seattle and like Burning Man and you know I, I was fascinated with all that and always open to it but like early cut of the movie people were like it's all freaks you know you've gotta <laughs> no one's gonna relate to this and then what happened is during the last five years from 2011 till today more and more mainstream people uh, you know traditionally you know like just what you would think of as normal people are entering into new types of arrangements. People um, who look normal, like you, uh, and a little chubby, like me. Uh, just everyday people. <laughs> yeah. So I do think we're in a, a kind of shift in the zeitgeist. But the other thing that I learned making the movie is that that's always happening. Every single era thinks that their way of doing it is natural and the only way. And yes, there might have been some freaks doing it some other way, some other time, but really now what we're doing is natural. And then that way you look at, you know, the difference between the 50s and the 60s and the 80s. And now you realize that every decade or two, like our entire attitudes towards sexual mores and the way that we organize relationships is, is in constant flux. Yeah. My, my ex's mother, when we came out to her as we were in, being in an open relationship, you know, she said, Oh, like we just, we didn't call it that back then. We just, we call it like free love or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, so yeah, like there's nothing new under the sun. You talk to Christopher Ryan. I mean, Jesus, that guy would be like, Oh, nothing. Any of you apes have done is original. <laughs> He's like, I can find examples from thousands of years ago. Yes. And no, though, I do think there are, it is always new because for example, if you, if you, take uh, uh, non-monogamy in a system where women are are subjugated then it looks very different mm -hmm. than in a place where two, where two people are meeting as equals and we're still not there but we're closer than we ever have been I'd say maybe Christopher Ryan would like argue and he's a little bit nostalgic I for, think like, you'd call it a remix times. I think you'd call it like you remix these old things like these non-monogamous pair bondings uh, that maybe the apes did back, but like, you know, they've been remixed with like a healthy doses of feminism here and yeah. there, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I think we are constantly, I think each time is new and that we are living in an exciting time now because we have this conflagration of, you know, greater equality, greater feminism and uh, uh, few, fewer consequences of sex, you know, because it was true that like in the 70s when you had like the pill had been invented and most STDs were cured and it was before AIDS, mm -hmm. you have that those that comes together, you know, sexual eth ethics don't just come out of nothing, you know, I mean, like if you look at the Bible, there's as many uh, 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 rules about food as there are about sex. But even the most conservative Christian these days like ignores those because there's really no consequence to mm -hmm. like 
eating in a shellfish way, right? on a Friday. And so, exactly. And in the old days, it really... Which I never understood the Friday part. It's it. like, why you can't eat this thing on a certain day? It wasn't even the Sabbath day. It was just, just like a random day. But like, yeah, I just can't have it that day. That's when we're out. The, the Pope, he wants to be able to eat all the shellfish. on. The, he wants first dibs on shellfish. You guys get whatever he didn't have. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did your dating style like change in the midst of the movie before? Like, totally. You had never done some sort of open... Really? I, had, I had done an open relationship for a couple of years before I got married and I did find it suited me. I knew that I'm, you know, I don't think this is for everyone, but it, it suited me because I'm not a jealous person. I'm attracted to women doing their own thing and like being independent. And so your family's upbringing play a role in that. My in family's that you'd upbringing. Seen, you'd seen your dad because were all your dads like various wives, ex-wives, were they like jealous of each other? Was it pretty healthy? No, my dad was very, cha- you know, uh, challenged the, the Moors very, also very consciously at the time. I mean, he had an open marriage. Um, my, he was still married to my older brother's mother when he got together with my mom. My older brother's mother lived upstairs. He lived with my mom downstairs. Um, there was that there, photo you used in the movie where like the, the headline said like, oh, the, the print, <clears throat> this Italian prince, like with his wife and his kid and his like lover. Uh, yeah. Pregnant with yeah. me. And uh, so, so definitely he, and he used to say, you know, scandal is what pushes the human race forward that we should always. That. Why is that not on every t-shirt? <laughs> but it's true it's true i mean we have to uh, we have to push at the boundaries and that's what i've always found and still find appealing about this non-monogamy world this despite the fact that i don't want to be prescriptive in the film and one of my favorite reviews that just came out says uh you know essential viewing whether you're for or against uh, monogamy or in a monogamous mm-hmm. relationship or not because really uh, my my big takeaway is uh, there isn't one answer if there was we'd all just be doing that and we'd have figured it out a thousand years ago right but because of the constant change like there are uh, 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 the best we can hope for is to have the tools to have a nuanced and sensitive conversation with each other about these issues and that's what the movie is trying to to provide i think and yeah. does successfully I it's hope. not very preachy which like in Polyland, a lot of this stuff that gets put out can be very like preachy and like very like saying like you gotta at least accept this or whatever, right? right. And because you have these people who are monogamous, like the the street interviews with people who are just like, yeah, no, like I don't think polyamory is that great because like it fucked up my brother or like I've never done it seems weird to be, or I'm super. You had religious people in it, right? So like you had the other points of view, whereas and I I I at least observe to the people I call the poly pockets. Uh, they're poly people to go to poly events to talk about being poly. Um, a lot of their stuff can sometimes um, lack that opposing point of view, which I think makes for a healthy discussion or way uh, to think about the topic, you know? Yeah. And I think monogamy can be great. I think yeah. people can, uh, you know, I, a big eye opener for me was uh, I went to a free love commune in Portugal and I met this fabulous woman named Frida and she said, I realized early on that I wasn't monogamous and that this was, it wasn't for me. And, and, uh, and so then I was like, really, well, what about those people who are like, you know, just madly in love with each other and only want to be with each other? And I expected her to have some like sassy response, but she's like, I think it's wonderful. <laughs> I'm so happy for them, you yeah. know? And, and of course, if two people like find each other who want to be just with each other and they do that for the rest of their lives, good for them. You know, like how much better is that if it wasn't, 
entered into by default, but it was entered into by two people who realized that they share that desire to have that, both right. of them. You know? Having the choice, that's always the thing. It's not not by default. Like just you choose monogamy as long as you know there are other options. Yeah, and then you should always choose it because like also you relationships change. You know, you have a very sexual time in a relationship and then maybe it that goes away a little bit so then time to have the conversation again like what are we going to do because otherwise if people just keep sweeping it under the rug it causes like these much more uh subtle and nefarious uh, uh alienation between two people i think did you always uh, identify as not always sorry but like before the marriage when you had that open relationship and before that even and growing up with you know the family dynamic that you had did you identify almost like you were non-monogamous or did you just didn't put the word to it? Did you always, did you think like, yeah, I'll probably do something similar to what dad did? No, but it was always in the back of my mind in the sense that I always liked, I always thought the idea of pushing the boundaries uh, is a good way to live. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like I'm not, I've never been a jealous person. I've never thought, you know, like I've always thought of it, it I could be suited to this, you know, and then, but then when I was monogamously married, I was happy doing that as well. So yeah. that's why I think I tried to, I, I think I have like an, an even minded approach to the issue. And was that uh, a weird switch to make though? Cause what's, what's interesting is so often you'll hear people go from monogamous to non-monogamous. You don't hear as often about the person who goes from non-monogamy to monogamy. It's almost like you have to have a different type of like crisis in your like uh no, i've seen it crisis. i've seen it a lot though yeah. like i i'm i have friends who are in an open marriage who now are monogamous with their new partners even though they have kids together but now they're like having like steady monogamous relationships with other people but they're all friends and they all hang out together and and now they've just decided to keep it simple a little bit because one of them is pregnant and having a kid and with her lover and you know so now they're like okay let's just calm down and but, but is that like an identity um, crisis a little bit when you're living so like fully one way and then you're like drastically shifting it i don't think it's so drastic i think the most important lesson for me now like being open is we can just relax about the way we relate to each other a little mm-hmm. bit and w- what i found most refreshing is that i can have a friend who then we're lovers and then we go back to being friends and it's never has to be like a a a, a a kind of jarring shift because often what happens in monogamous when monogamy is the is the ideal the moment like like oh i couldn't sleep with my friend because then it would be weird you know and that's always bothered me i'm like why would it be weird if you just get to know your friend a little better and just have, like, yeah. this intimate like experience with them and then and <laughs> yeah. it's true and then you just and, you learn your friend's vinegar strokes like and face, then like. and then and then and then and then what happens is when people stop sleeping together it's often because of some terrible rupture that's happened and then like oh i can't see them anymore and and that happens so much in in really deep relationships where you spend like years with somebody and then all of a sudden you're not even talking to each other anymore like that makes no sense like this is someone who's like like you shared so much with and so i think that when you with this paradigm shift you allow you know uh the uh, the definition of relationships to be more fluid and therefore you can stay friends with the people that you've slept with and sleep with people that you've been friends with. And, you know, yeah. I like relationship anarchy also as a kind of term mm-hmm. in the sense of like, I like political anarchy. I like the idea of like trying to disrupt uh, uh, hierarchies, 
you don't mm-hmm. have, you're never going to get rid of them completely. But the idea of like starting with an ideal of not having hierarchy. And I think that the idea that we have that in relationships, like we put like marriage at the top and then we have this horrible expression, just friends, when friendship is one of the highest forms of, of relation that I've ever known. Like Because it's like, I'm willing to hang out with you and you're not even fucking me. Like that's, there's almost like a whole level of thing. It's like, I could go hang out with people who are also like at some point in that encounter, they're going to touch my penis. So that should normally be like, yeah, that's obviously the first person I'm going to go hang out. I'm going to hang out with you despite you're never going to see touch my body. Like <laughs> that. Yeah. That's a level of platonic. That's a high level of love. That platonic love. Super high <laughs> level. And then also it's like, it's a good model because it's not, it comes without expectation. You know, you can, I've had friends that I've had since I was six years old and we cannot talk for a year. And it's not like, I can't believe you didn't call me. You know, it's like you see each other and you're so happy to see each other. You jump right like, back into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so I think uh, allowing that ideal of friendship to also inform the way we, we engage with each other romantically is a good lesson to learn. Yeah. Uh, so what what's your current situation? You say you have you have some open relationships, plural, or do you call yeah. them girlfriends? What's your I call them lovers, and I, I I'm having come out of like a marriage, and then actually I, I was in another monogamous relationship for several years after that. Like mm-hmm. um, right now, I'm not wanting even a primary relationship. Like I just, mm-hmm. but I also don't like superficial relationships. So what's been wonderful about having this kind of thought structure behind it it's not in the normal world default world monogamy world you're dating you're almost auditioning people and then you're like are you the one and then you're like no you're not the one so i'm going to stop seeing you right whereas if you can say from the start you're you 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 know you might get something from your friendship and lovership with this person that can be ongoing and we can build on it and our sex the 10th time is going to be better than the first time um i think that's very interesting and and is again part of the substantive shift that's happened in our culture and the way we relate to each other so there's some ways that like you said it's just different words or it's different you know like people say oh you're just dating but no, because I've had I've gone much deeper with people now over like yeah. the last two years and also had the wonderful experience of watching lovers fall in love with other people. You know, that's a wonderful thing to see and not feel jealousy, but feel happiness for them, you know, in it. And maybe then we become just friends or maybe we continue to also be lovers. And so all of that kind of a blurring of those boundaries, I find super exciting and uh, fitting to my personality. Where else does that whole like not liking the lines kind of come into your life? Because so you're saying you do, you're like political anarchy, like relationship anarchy. Like where else are you like you know uh, uh, fuck this? I'm not wearing shoes. I don't know. Like <laughs> well, filmmaking itself is is a is a, a collection of of of. I it came my my love of filmmaking came from loving music and loving uh philosophy and loving design and loving uh uh, you know all the different arts that enter into filmmaking uh travel also in history and academic subjects so uh i think that this multiple this ability to kind of embrace the multiplicity of reality is probably a defining characteristic of how i see the world Uh. if that makes sense so and so, what did your what did your lovers, your partners think of think of the movie? I mean, obviously they have to say we loved it. We love it. No, you gotta, no, no, you gotta no. Say, you gotta say it. So, but no, um. no, 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 no. <laughs> I think I think uh, there's definitely two types of relationships. There's 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 
the ones that you can feel that people are open to it because they like you, you know, and so therefore they're like, oh, like I've never thought about this or one. And that's a more challenging situation to be in. But I do think that we, as this, as open relationships become more common, you're going to find that a lot more people are naturally suited to it than thought. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to discover when people are like, oh yeah, I sort of thought maybe I might be good for this in the back of my mind. And now I'm finding it actually works. Or, um, but the best is meeting people who are already excited about it before you even met them. And therefore you're not like pitching something. And um, so, but again, I, I, I think that it's, that it's becoming more and more mainstream. I remember like, you know, being with this married woman in an open relationship and we would go to parties and she, you know, she'd say, this is my, I'd say, this is my lover and this is my lover's husband. And people would be like, whoa. Isn't that just like a fun thing to say? Yeah. Be like, like, I'm going to say this uh, thing you don't get. Now you deal with it. (laughs) And then, then, but I noticed even over like the span of a few months, like it it became less shocking. And people, I, I, you know, I remember going to a party and thinking I was going to like elicit some sort of shock response. And they're like, oh yeah, I have some other friends living in a similar arrangement, you know? So that's fun. (laughs) Yeah. But you never want it to be too normal. Like I remember an Italian guy saying, um, you know, if sex isn't a little bit transgressive, it gets really boring. That's why sex is never fun in Sweden, he said. Uh-huh. <laughs> because they're just too relaxed. Maybe a little bit of Catholicism and a little bit of guilt actually Well, Sweden helps. also, doesn't Sweden also like th- their kids like go and have like teenage sex and everyone's like super out and open about it. I feel like all, the, right. all those like Nordic countries, like they're like, yeah, like go, you're 15. Just here's a shit ton of condoms. Just yeah. they go do that freely. Um Although I don't understand, if I was that cold all the time, I wouldn't want to fuck at all. I would just be like, "Oh my god, I'm cold." That's Someone how they give me a blanket. Up. I don't know. I just get, I get very odd. <laughs> it, it's like I don't know. The winter is the time where I'm like, "Hey, can we get a bunch of blankets first, and maybe we'll have sex?" <laughs> um, well, it's like we'll see about that. Uh, you know. So are you? I mean, are you not? Would you consider yourself like a pretty private person? Because. Um, no, I, I could. I mean, obviously, uh-huh. the film is very, sure. it's very revealing and vulnerable, and and I think you know, uh, no, I mean, I'm naturally a bit exhibitionistic, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, because normally the whole you know documentarian trope is that I like being behind the camera. I don't like putting like my life because also because it's not a film where you put your life so front and center like it's not like your personal relationships are in the film front and center. There's the talk of the of the divorce of your ex-wife um but you never go into like particulars of it um you don't go to particulars of well also because you have to be you have to be respectful of other sure. people's privacy i just find it interesting my own because there's like two there's documentaries like what you did um and then there's the doc there's another i want to say there's another version of the of the film you did where the person's like putting their non-monogamous or monogamous to non-monogamous life right out front and it's like this personal journey through their relationship stories. I like what you did because I think it's more accessible and it's less, less self-indulgent. It, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's the defining yeah. uh, uh, kind of problem of our age. Like yeah. how do we balance like all these tools that kind of nurture narcissism and <laughs> tell us to keep taking pictures of ourselves and like, you know, posting everything about ourselves. I, don't you hate that? Do you hate that? Cause I fucking hate it. I had uh, to write in the middle of this Instagram story. Cause I guess I'm supposed to, and right. I told her, I was like, Hey, just take something. Cause I think we're going to have to content. I was told, right. uh, even to the th- word content is awful. They go like, like did yeah, Fellini make content, you know, like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, do we even live lives anymore? Or we just yeah. always, 
making content. Was Shakespeare making content? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like, just filler, right? To be or not to be, this is great content. Yeah. Ooh, I think that still fits in meter, though. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I, I mean, so where, where do you date? Where, what's your dating style and life like, man? Like where are you on the, do you do apps? Do you just go in life? I, I mean, find it all yeah, exciting th- no, your haircut doesn't do apps. You just like meet people rock climbing. I think. That's no, no, no. I've done, I've done, what's the haircut have to do with that? No, apps? cause you have this like, oh, like I just live life and like you, you look like you maybe don't have a Facebook even just cause you're too busy kicking ass at living life. Oh, I wish. It's just like the look. I find all these things like a crack addiction. Like I'm on <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, the dating apps, all of it. Like I, 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 I try and keep it at bay with very little success. I, I'm thinking of getting it. I've, I've been asking people how they kind of separate themselves from the technology. And my favorite thing so far that I'm going to try is uh, a friend of mine said he got a time lock safe where you can just put the phone in and then you have like, you put an hour and there's nothing you can do to open it. Oh, like a physical safe. A physical Cause safe. Cause they have the apps called like safe and it turns your phone off or, oh fuck. Like, yeah, physical safe. <laughs> <laughs> you start being like, you, I would last eight minutes before I'm like, can we get like an Ocean's Eleven crew over here to bust this open? I can't, oh wait, I can't text them cause I don't have my fucking phone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Someone called Don Cheeto. He's good with explosives. <laughs> no, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's both super exciting i'm i love technology and i love all this all these media and again filmmaking also is a encompasses an embrace of uh, all of new media of digital technology Mm -hmm. and look people are gonna be watching this on their phones and their computers and we made it with digital cameras and uh so on the one hand i think it's super exciting and on the other we have to have a, a careful relationship to it in a way, it's as fragile and and dangerous as our relationship, our sexual relationships, more so maybe. And that's just for personal life. Now, when you talk about publishing, like your personal relationships on there, and I'm, you know, I, I'm re- I'm like three, what, three, four weeks out off of a, 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 a almost two year relationship that was non monogamous and uh, did not end well. Uh, so like Billy Stewart, but like she felt she was always kind of like on camera. She's not a public person, but she she's. She was dating someone who is, who is in the public light. And I assume, unless you date other actresses currently or something, but uh, that there could be a similar balance you have to find of like what to share, what can't end up on a podcast. Um, At least in my experience, I date someone, whether it was my ex or someone else, and they're like, look, that can't end up on a podcast. You gotta, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I I don't know what, you know, struggle you have. I know we live in public now and. I think the wonderful, the, one of the best things that I learned making the movie, and I guess we should try and circle back to the movie as often as possible, but because <laughs> that's why we're pe- here. But oh, don't but worry, people will know that there's a movie called, called Monogamish. Monogamish. They will know. I will be ranting. They will know in the intro. They will Monogamishmovie.com. They will know at the end of this. They will know <laughs> okay. the following week when I tell them, "Did you go see it yet? No, go." Also, the movie industry needs your ticket dollars. Please go. But, <laughs> so so wait, what worry. was the question? Okay. This is was like, how do you balance the the living in the public eye, yeah, but so, like okay, maybe the, having so, partners who don't. So yeah, I obviously you have to be respectful and all of that, but I do think one of the nicest things about non-monogamy is that you uh, be, you don't have to have secrets anymore, and therefore that's also suited to me well because I don't have nothing to hide and and it gets really exhausting when you're you know trying to juggle a bunch of relationships where each person thinks that they're in a situation that they're not in, and um, and so they say if you uh, someone said if you don't have a uh wait you don't need a you don't need a good memory if you never lie and i think that's true yeah. i mean so 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 
I'm, you know, I'm I'm just like an open book. But you also need I tell people I'm an op- I'm an open book, and then they can take it or leave it, and then and then that's worked out really well. I've I've been with people who say Tao, like I love you, this is not for me, but we can still be really good friends and because and keep being you because and other people will adjust accordingly, you know. And I think that that's a nice. Uh, lesson to learn i guess well when they say do you like you be you are they saying like you live a public life and i don't want to date someone like that or like have you ever had to have also just having multiple relationships sure sure but so like have you ever had to have conversations with either whether it be a new partner or you know or some current of the what can or can't be for the public like what can be for example, like my ex, she had like, there were certain things that, you know, I'm not going to share because of what I'm about to say, but she said like, this is something I would like to be us. This is something right. that I want our moment that like, we're not sharing with everyone else. Right, so right. was that ever a conversation of like, what can or can't, because like you are, you're a public person, you do interviews, you make film, um, you make movies. So they were like, ah, you know, I don't want this story to be on there. Or like, I would like, you live a public life, but I would like not to be tagged in it. So yeah, no, no, so to speak. it's been a big struggle. Like also just making the movie was really hard. Like with, uh, you know, I was in a relationship during a lot of the making of and it caused struggle there. It caused struggle with my family because I went back to Italy and like documented the family. And uh, so, yeah, no, it's definitely gotten me into trouble. And and I just have to try and be as sensitive to other people's needs as possible. But at the same time, I like pushing boundaries. And I think that that, you know, we got to push gently. I think that's the lesson that we've learned from the '60s. Like the difference between the '60s and now is, and it, there's like an, an interesting analog in psychedelic use. Like in the, uh, the when they first found like LSD in the early '60s, Timothy Leary started saying we should just, uh, you know, everyone should drop out of school. No, everyone should leave their jobs. Uh, no one over 40 should be allowed to vote. And let's all go live back in like the way we lived a million years ago. Like nothing it was worth keeping of Western civilization. Uh, same with like the family structure was like, let's go just live in communes and practice free love, you know? Mm. And now that we've had the kind of pushback that that happened and people thought like, wow, we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater because there are some things that we've learned over thousands years of Western civilization. And there are, uh, uh, you know, children do like having a little bit of structure and predictability in their lives. And, and uh, so now there's this much more nuanced push saying oh in the psychedelic world like let's try to use it to treat ptsd let's try and see what we can how can we integrate that experience into our an acceptance of the world as it is also you know and i think that that's what's happening in polyamory and open relationships it's like let's let's keep the the fact that people do like to have uh loving and predictable relationships with each other and then maybe that doesn't have to preclude never having sex with anybody else. Right, right. I, I mean, you talk about the pushing boundaries, like, <clears throat> and pushing someone else's boundaries specifically. So, you know, it's pushing society's boundaries. Then it's pushing, like, a person's boundaries. And, and I don't like, I find that interesting when it comes to, like, social media or putting things out there. Like, the you did a different film about, like, your family and, like, drug right? and yeah. drug addiction, right? And that's, like, I assume we had to have pushed, like, say, your family's boundaries a bit. Totally. Because you're... You're airing that out there. Yeah, now you're making right. me feel guilty. No, 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 dude. dude. But like, I'm in. I say I'm in a similar boat. I do a show where like I have to push. I mean, I've guests like you, but again, half of my guests are everyday, ordinary women who do not. Who sometimes ask like, "Can I use a pseudonym 
because they're private people who right. made the mistake of once upon a time making out with me. Right. So now they're on a podcast and I have to kind of push their boundaries a little bit to get them to ha- open up for like an interesting conversation yeah. rather than us just sitting down and be like, yeah, we were on that date. Didn't go so well. Okay, bye. Like, but you seem to be professionally like pushing family boundaries, relationship boundaries, um, people's boundaries to share with the world for like kind of a purpose. Well, because yeah, I mean, we're all trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, right? Mm-hmm. In our lives and in our, you know, we're, we're just thrown into this and then we got we to gotta, like make our way. And that's, I've, I've found that filmmaking is a great way to... Uh, do, do that type of work that exploratory philosophical therapeutic work of, mm-hmm. of ha- working through our issues and and figuring out what's what's what are we doing here yeah and how are we doing it and i think if we all are sharing our experiences or if you're sharing other people's experiences out there you know it's and it, that's one of the most the biggest piece of feedback i get from listeners of this podcast is people go like i didn't know other people felt this way or thought this right. way and so it's kind of seeing like, oh, other people too. And, and that just helps other people feel more comfortable and confident. So like your film, more people, I, like I said before, I think more people might have like thought this way, didn't know they were allowed to, you know, like when I, I first saw the word polyamory in the back of uh, the New York Post when I was like 18 and I never saw it again. I knew nothing about it, but I had always thought like, I think there's like this whole, you can love more than one person thing. And I've never met anyone else who thinks that way. It's before I started listening to Dan Savage. But like when I found that first book or that first person or that first movie that talked about it matter of factly, it made me feel not fucked up. Right. Because until I saw until I think until I read The Ethical Slut when I was twenty two, I was like, I maybe I'm just like a weird slutty fuck boy and who's not capable of being loved because I also like having sex with other people and, and you know, and so so I think I'm hoping people experience. will see. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. was the what was the thing you read or saw or person you talked to that first made you realize like, oh, I'm not fucked up because of them or this. Um, yeah, Dan Savage probably, and mm-hmm. the Ethical Slut, like all of all of that in the '90s when I was in college at Berkeley and. Uh, oh, well, you were at school at Berkeley. I feel like you yeah. walk uh, you walk on the campus at Berkeley, and they just like hand you a copy. <laughs> yeah, no, although it's more conservative than it, than people think, you know. Um, but you know, again, like I think that that uh, you know, marriage and monogamy do have a place, and I I I I I think it's like uh, maybe I'm sounding repetitive now, but I I. I <laughs> I, I don't think that we need to throw out those ideals or those ideas. I just think that there's a through make, having lived it, having lived like, you know, a, a 10 year monogamous sure. marriage, I don't come out of it thinking like, oh, that was a mistake. You know, I, and I think on the contrary, I think we should stop seeing divorce as a as the sign of a failure of a marriage, you know, I think Dan that, says that all the time, right? He says yeah. like, just cause a marriage ends doesn't mean, or a relationship ends doesn't mean it was bad. It means it ran its course. Someone wrote to Dan Savage once saying, I don't know what to do. Every relationship I, I have like ends with one of person in tears. And one of my favorite, co- this wasn't even Dan Savage. It was one of the comments. Uh, <laughs> someone, and I'll never forget this. I said, every relationship ends with some, one person in tears, unless you die holding hands in a car crash. Right. But how how did you feel when you first heard Dan? When you first heard him, like kind of affirm what you had been thinking? What was that? What's that? What was that feeling for you? Yeah. Again, like I think that the, the great thing about the, all of this internet and technology of the and 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 technology itself is a boundary pushing 
enterprise, right? Um, it's to help us not feel alone, right? And, so and it's they, weird so because they, we feel more alone because you're always on your phone, but also you feel like a sense of like, wow, there's other people out there living the way that I feel like was there was something wrong with me, you know? And uh, so, so you felt you felt not alone. I, just, I that's yeah. why I find it, I find it so interesting. Like you definitely seem like you definitely make documentaries. Because like I give you a question about you and you answer with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? No, I should be more specific. Which is fine. Myself. I yeah, just yeah. find I just find that interesting. Like you know about yeah, you. I was I studied philosophy <laughs> in Berkeley, and so like I definitely make films as a way of doing philosophy in a way, mm -hmm. and 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 asking the deep questions that hopefully apply to more than just me. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. So being yeah, in the want, I don't want to be vague. I know that's that's that's, that's, that's okay. interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, when you said like the whole uh, the ma you know the marriage ending, you felt like that was like a failure or did not? I felt like no, it shouldn't be seen as a failure. I see but, it as a wonderful thing. But in like thing but in I like lived. the moment. I I, yeah. I felt like tremendous pain. Yeah. Right? Cuz I didn't expect it to end and I I was just like gutted because that my identity had like become to be like the husband of this person and and so I uh uh, so that was super painful but then you know every painful experience is uh, uh, uh put if you survive it you know you you push through and you you grow right mm -hmm. and 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 that's certainly what happened and i would never want to go back and say like oh that was a mistake you sure. know it's just a uh, we have these amazing chapters in our lives uh whether we were married or not uh and i i want again without being preachy or teaching lessons there are a few kind of basic lessons that I did learn and would love to pass on. One is just be honest with each other in relationships, right? Like regardless of what you want, be honest with yourself and be honest with your partner. And the other is like honor the time that you're with somebody, regardless of whether you find that you want different things Mm. eventually right if if you if one two people are together for 20 years and then one of them sleeps with somebody else don't then go say like oh i didn't know who they were and i you know they're just like i made a you know this was just like a such a huge betrayal that like everything we lived for the last 20 years no longer counts yeah. and and you are seeing that changing and and someone says this in the movie like we've all we've have something called polyamory some people don't call it polyamory they just call it divorce but like it's by since there's divorce is so common now it used to be really frowned upon i mean if you just yeah. go back to the 60s like people were divorced it was like being like go back to the 90s leprosy, there right? was there's always two kids in your class who like had divorced parents and like they were weird. Yeah. Uh, they were always like outcasts. Now it's so common that you, by necessity, have a form of polyamory where like exes are hanging out together because they have to hang out with their kids and then they meet their new partner's partners. Yeah. And maybe they're not all sleeping together, but they are having like intimate, like complex family units that go huh. beyond the nuclear family, right? Well, we, now, now we, got, we got rule of threes. You gave three tips for, for marriages, relationships. What's, what's the third? We had, we had be honest. No, I didn't say there was going to be three. I just said I just said there was. A I just few. feel uncomfortable. I just feel uncomfortable with there Not being two. Not having a third. What, what would be your third? Uh, um, <laughs> I'm a comedian. I work in a rule of three. Until the end of the interview, I'll come up with a third lesson. <laughs> Where, oh yeah, yeah. Don't think that the way things are is the way they always have been. The always way they always should be. This was like the most difficult lesson in making the movie because every time I'd think I'd be done, that people I talked to be like, "Wait, it's not like that anymore." Like suddenly you see, like you know, relationships have ended. People who were open aren't open anymore. People who are closed are now open. People who are like, so there was no way of a movie. Unfortunately, it's like a fixed thing. You know, like it's not constantly changing and. The, and 
and you're dealing with something that's super elusive. And even in relationships that are like long-term marriages, they're always changing too. And, and, and so the only constant is change. And so the quicker we get used to that and embrace that, the happier we'll be, I think. I find interesting in what, what we were talking about before about like privacy, social media, and being like, say, a public figure, dating someone who's maybe not, right? Um, that you had to negotiate. We've both, you know, we're, we're the type of people, we have to negotiate like what's going to be public, what's not, because like, you know, what, you know the type of person we're dating. Um, but you were in a marriage with someone who at the time is, is a big deal. She's a, you know, a huge actress. And, and you said the phrase, like you felt like you had this identity of you were her husband. So it's almost like that got, that was reversed back then where like yeah. you may have been, I don't know how public or private you were then, but like she was the one where like the, the camera was on her yeah. and now you're in, you're in a position. And also I, had, I was in a situation where, and again, I'd never want to be seen as this film, like capitalizing or exploiting her success. No, you actually worked cheesy. real hard. So not I never to, you say even, her name in the movie. Say, no. I'm not going to say her name now, but uh, you know, anyone can, can Google. Can I say, can I say her name? If you want. I'll just whatever. say it's Olivia Wilde. I just. Um, but the, the point is there, the one thing that I thought was interesting that was particular to that situation that I've kind of touched on in the movie, mm-hmm. as we talked earlier about the, the like a f- more feminist ideal, more equality happening. Um, I kind of confronted this being in the situation where like my wife made a lot more money than me, like was a lot more. The, the the traditional breadwinner, let's say, you know, you use the and word like, emasculated in the movie, right? In the traditional sense of like, yeah, of of like the man having to be fit this this role, and to me, that's really interesting and wonderful to be able to. But it's real, the challenge, like mm. like um, uh, both men and women have have these unspoken expectations of what a relationship should look like even if philosophically they don't agree with it if philosophically they're feminist and they think like i think that there it can have it can have some uh uh, it can rub a relationship in a raw way to like reverse those roles and i think it's i'm seeing it more and more now like women who have very successful careers they're able to kind of take on what was traditionally the man's role and have like young boyfriends and have like um you know the purely sexual relationships for fun and and i think this is great and the faster we get used to it the the happier we'll be it shouldn't it shouldn't be weird it should be normal you know and when when did you did you within the marriage ever come to the point where you're like you didn't feel masculine by that or was that a thing you like realized after after the fact no i mean it was a constant thing like to try and like 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 today if you ended up dating someone who made more money than you would like would that come back or do you think that's something you're better prepared to deal with no i think i'm better prepared to deal with Mm -hmm. with everything in life hopefully you know like we grow (laughs) but um again yeah i think i think it's it's a great thing that that we're able to make these new types of relationships on more equal footing or even the reverse footing and i think that that as men we're going to discover something new about ourselves and what it is to be a man by not shying away from that you know like the other there's some great like side effects of polyamory that i didn't expect and one of them is like the friendships that i've and like intimate like more profound relationships i've had with other men that i wouldn't have had before like metamorphs 
What's that? Uh, like like your like metamors of yours? What's a metamor? Oh, uh, metamor would be the okay. So like uh, if I'm dating Alice and you're dating Alice, like we would be metamors. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I didn't know that was a word. It's it's a it's okay. like a cuter word than Eskimo brothers. Okay, <laughs> it, it's a more intimate version of Eskimo yeah. brothers. Yeah. So when I when I first got into a, a relationship with a woman who was in an, in an open marriage, her husband called me the next day and said. You know, let's have coffee. I heard you guys had fun, and I was like, "Whoa, this is weird." You know, are you gonna beat me up like this? Uh, this is a trap? gonna be super awkward. <laughs> and and what was the most surprising thing was how unawkward it was, and how great it was, and how quickly we discovered that we have something deep in common now, and and now we're still great friends. You know, like years later, and and so to me, that's been like a wonderful icing on this cake of 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 open relationships. Right. Right. Time for the fan horror appreciation moment. Okay, this is the part of the podcast where I like to thank some of the members of my fan horror community on Patreon. Uh, what is Patreon? It's kind of like a monthly fan club membership mixed with Kickstarter. You choose how much money you want to pledge each month, and depending on how much money you pledge, you get various types of rewards, which include all sorts of bonus episodes of the man whore podcast. Uh, so right now I want to give a shout out to a couple people. Austin E. Thank you, buddy. You're a longtime fan whore at a very impressive pledge level. Thank you for your support. Your hair is fantastic. And thank you to Ashley S. What's up girl. Thank you so much for your continued support of the show. Even if you are a Patriots fan, uh, I gotta say, I like that we had Tom Brady sweating just a little bit this past week. My Jets, you know, we almost pulled it out. You got saved by a really fucking bad referee call. Uh, so even though you're a Patriots fan, I still got to say thank you. I still got to say I, I got love for you. Thank you both for supporting uh, me and what I'm doing. And if you want to support me and the Man Whore Podcast, become a member of the Patreon community by visiting patreon.com slash podcast. Membership begins at just $1 per month. Again, head on over to patreon.com slash podcast. Fun fact about pledging, every time I get an email saying someone's uh, joined the fan whore community, I get a little bit of a boner. Sit with that information. And now let's get back to talking about monogamish. Isn't that so fun? Like interesting the first time, not just like doing nominography, but when you're with someone else, it, what you might, at least in the beginning of being nominated, like it, you're in your mind, you go like, I'm with someone else's person. Like, bef- like in the earlier times of it, it's like, I'm with someone else's wife right now. Like, was that ever like an odd thing that you felt like I, yeah, for me, it did. It's I was so like, built in like th- this idea of possession yeah. and property. Like, so we go a lot about into this in the movie about like, marriage being about owning the woman controlling her sexuality that 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 male monogamy was never really expected until like you know 50 years ago yeah. and before that it was all about controlling the woman's you know the uh, the reproductive system right and uh and we're still have that so built into our culture and so much like my wife, my you know. my wife. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's one of the one of the hit catchphrases of the last ten years. My yeah. wife, <laughs> mine. I, I remember. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, we, we we also say my friend, but it seems very different for some reason, right? And it that's way more disingenuous. Uh, <laughs> every time I go into bodega, it's like, "Hello, my friend." I'm like, "We're not friends. We don't know each other. Uh, what are you doing here? Come on now." Um, if, if you were my friend, you wouldn't charge me for this grilled cheese. You would just be like, I'll make it for you. <laughs> it would be nicer to say we have 
friendship or we have marriage but we have friendship or we have marriage or we have you know rather than saying my my wife my boyfriend taking the possession out of it yeah yeah i think that would that's that's a really great thing to also not just presume that we have jurisdiction over someone else's body the moment we start sleeping with them like i my feeling i've always had is like when you're nauseous and you're sick or you're suffering something no matter how much someone empathizes with you, they're not feeling it like mm-hmm. you're feeling it. And there's nothing that you can do to pass that on to someone else or take it on from someone, you know, like when you're going to die, you're going to die alone. Like, uh, ultimately I imagine. And, um, so Look, then why I am, shouldn't we, I am trying why to shouldn't get- we also have the, 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 jur- the then have the 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 ownership of our body that also gives us the pleasurable sides of sure. it you know like yeah. i i don't i wouldn't presume anymore even if i got into a monogamous relationship i still would never presume to say like uh i own your body and if you do something with it that's like somehow a betrayal to me i don't know like i i find that super foreign now the idea yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you, you, I, tr- if I love you and I trust you, then I, I, I think you should have the one, the, be the one who chooses what to do with your body. Yeah. Did you ever, um, both in the monogamous relationship, I think like after you mentioned after your marriage or in the marriage, did you guys ever, I mean, you were in a marriage, like regardless of the who it's with, like you were in a monogamous marriage, like you couldn't get more institutional. Yeah, no. yeah. Is that, is that, was that just a thing that was kind of like maybe like just tucked in the back of your head where you're like oh my god i'm like constrained it yeah. feels what was what was yeah but i think both of us felt that and i think that that was one of the reasons it ultimately ended or I think did that- you both want to be like did you want to be non-monogamous by the end of like, mm-hmm. like how did non-monogamy ever play a factor into that the that the that whole breaking mm-hmm. up part no, it wasn't really an no. option, and that's one of the things that 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 also instigated the the, the search in the movie and yeah. made it so interesting to me to see all, all this was there. Is like, why wasn't that an option? Like, why isn't that like it never it never came up? It never came up in the marriage. Not you're like, really. hey, you guys it wouldn't ever have think been about accepted. This? It would have been weird. It would have been seen as weird, especially since it was like in the public. Yeah, and, and then you have tabloid. Yeah. I worked at a tabloid for like I look. I worked at In Touch Weekly for three years. Become, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> and so like I get yeah, it's like. Not only would it, it be would become pu- fodder, like it's fodder even if it's not happening, right? It's right. like even if it's not happening, they'll fi- find a fate of sorts to right. fucking say it is. Yeah, so that's why we need to first do the work in the culture of normalizing it to the point where people yeah. stop like like gawking in that way. Hopefully. And that that's what your movie does, man. I, like I said, it's I think I find it super accessible and not preachy, so that I do think like so long as enough uh, enough eyeballs see it. Which they should, everyone. Go see in theaters, pay dollars, please. Um, I think it really is going to help this movement of like normalizing, even if people are not choosing it for themselves, where I can say to my sister, I'm in an open relationship, and one of the first things that she doesn't push back on will be the non-monogamy part. She'll be like, Billy, your relationship ended because you're an asshole. Uh, She won't say, it's Billy, your relationship ended because it was open. Uh, because yeah, that's obviously so, the thing such a double to. standard in our culture like yeah. every time a, a non-monogamous relationship ends everyone's like you see that's why i say yeah. and nobody said you see marriage doesn't work after i got divorced mm-hmm. nobody says like you see monogamy doesn't work when you split up so like how could you possibly <laughs> uh, advocate for something if, if it's placed on this totally unequal footing like where the entire institution is questioned every time it doesn't work out so again, it's a, it, I think we have a responsibility to kind of normalize it enough that people like say, oh, that relationship didn't work. I got into a, re- a wonderful relationship with uh, uh, a girl 
and a dear friend of mine and they were together and super happy and I was and then and then everyone's like oh this is not sustainable and then I ended up like being a counselor to them because they were having their own issues and I really liked having them together because I liked the the not having the full emotional responsibility relationship on me and then when it ended with them and it was clear to us that it would have ended even sooner if it wasn't for me there and for the balance that like having this other relationship provided only we knew that actually it was because of, of the non-monogamy that it lasted longer when everyone else was like you see it doesn't work yeah so i don't know yeah i mean and so i think it's just putting out more things putting out more content uh more <laughs> more probably non-monogamous content does that and you know i'm very glad uh, you did the film that you did and i i think it's great i like I said, I've seen it, and I think people should go check it out. Uh, Monogamish is, I believe this is out next Wednesday, so it will be out in theaters, right? Yeah, so uh, as you're listening to this, right when it comes out and you're in New York, you've got two more days left to see it because it's going to be playing next Wednesday and Thursday. This, this is going to come out uh, whatever next Wednesday is. Yeah. The, okay, okay. So, so, so the if you're listening to this, you've got the 18th and the 19th in New York. And then it's going to be in New York, in the Bay Area right afterwards, like 24th, 25th, 26th, or 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th. And then early November, it's going to be in LA. And then we're booking theaters around the country. So the best way to know so where you're it's touring playing, the film right now. Yes. And so it's monogamishmovie.com. People can see the showtimes. They can see the trailer, which I'm super happy and pr- proud of that trailer. So if you're curious about what we're talking about, do just look at the trailer at monogamishmovie.com or at the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash monogamishmovie. And if people want to follow you uh, specifically, they're like, yeah, I'll see the movie, but like, where do I follow this guy? He's got excellent sunglasses. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was another question. I was, I was going to be like, hey, does every Italian guy just like have these awesome shades? Like these are your glasses that are like tinted yellow. You could be just getting into a Formula One car at any time. So these are, <laughs> yeah, these are actually just um, uh, uh, Amazon $20 <laughs> like uh, uh, reading glasses that you you have the don't the, smash the, my fan uh, uh, don't smash my fantasy of you Tao. uh <laughs> but allow me to put you up on the style pedestal. style doesn't come from having to have lots of money for things it's just finding cool shit out there i just thought it was part of the <laughs> italian it. jeans that you just were like yeah you also learn how to dress yourself they I are don't. super cool glasses but you can also buy them for like 25 dollars uh, uh, and, and, people, and can people find you uh in places Tao Ruspoli, t-a-o T like Thomas, A O like the. Uh, my name is degraded through my life. I used to be like this great old ancient Chinese philosophy, and then it became the Tao of Poo when I was like ten years old, mm-hmm. and then it became a restaurant here in New York, mm-hmm. and then it became a club in Vegas. So people are like, "Oh, like the club in Vegas?" Oh no! The worst than that I heard is, "Oh, is it like Taco without the C?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck them so hard. <laughs> That's so not nice. So. <laughs> Or at least you could say Taos without the S. Anyway, T-A-O. Last name is Ruspoli. R-U-S like Sam. P like Paul. O-L-I. Tao Ruspoli. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. All that stuff. So. Well, thanks for chatting with me, man. Thank this you. was fun. Always enjoy talking about non-monogamy. And I want you to say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everyone. Seriously, keep tabs on this movie. You're going to want to see it monogamishmovie.com. It's going to be in New York City, San Francisco, and Los Angeles for the rest of October and uh, November. It's a really great flick, and I do think it's going to change a lot of people's minds or at least get them to begin expanding their minds when it comes to the topic of monogamy.
Uh, let me know what you thought about this week's episode. I love hearing your feedback, you know, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit. Uh, we do have a Man or Podcast subreddit, r slash Man or Podcast. Uh, right now, I got a tweet from at Janie's of Vincent. Uh, she says, started a new podcast yesterday, and although I'm only on episode three, I absolutely love it. Hashtag Man Whore Podcast. Oh, wow, Janie's. Well, you, you got a long way to go, but whenever you finally catch up and get to episode 184, I want to say thank you so much for the love. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TheBillyProceda. Um, use the hashtag ManHorrorPodcast. Let me know what you thought about the show. And if you want to send me uh, an email, something maybe in a bit of a longer format, send over your comments, your questions, your boobies to ManHorrorPod at gmail.com. Become a member of my fan whore community on Patreon for as little as $1 per month. For just a dollar, you get the support, uh, this sex-positive weirdo that you seem to enjoy so much. You'll also be receiving bonus episodes of the Man Whore Podcast, access to super-secret groups, and a shout-out on the show. Pledge today by visiting patreon.com slash Podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. Next week, uh, you'll be hearing me with a very funny comedian, Mindy Raff. She's a polyamorous queer gal who did a one-woman show about her polyamory called Keeping My Kidneys. Yeah, I haven't seen the one-woman show, so I do not know what that title means. But next week, we're going to find out. But in the meantime, stay slutty. Stay slutty.